0: Welcome back to BrailleCast Extra, and coming up this time, what has the Federation ever done for us? On Friday the 28th of August 2020, Everett Bacon joined a Braillists Foundation's Stay Safe, Stay Connected call to talk about how the National Federation of the Blind, NFB, promotes braille literacy across the United States. Everett is a member of the Board of Directors of NFB and President of the Utah State Division. He told us how he has personally pushed to make assistive technology more widely available and explained the kinds of resources and programs that NFB provides for its members, including the work it has done to promote equality of access to distance learning for blind students during lockdown. We also heard about some of the most exciting projects that NFB has supported through the Dr. Jacob Bellotten Awards. The call was introduced by Dave Williams, and if you have any feedback on BrailleCast Extra, you can email us at news at braillecast.com.
1: Good evening and a very warm welcome to the Brailleless Foundation Stay Safe, Stay Connected call, uh, which we've been holding every Friday at 6pm UK throughout lockdown. And uh, before we go any further, uh, Ben Rose has been uh, collecting some uh, amazing statistics. so I'm going to come to you in a second, Ben, and you can uh, share those with everybody. Our guest tonight is Everett Bacon from the National Federation of the Blind. Everett, as I understand it, is the President of the Utah uh, Federation and also serves on the board. Have I got that right, Everett?
2: Correct. I'm a board member for the National Board of Directors, and then um, we have affiliates in every state, and I am president of the Utah affiliate.
1: Excellent. And Everett's here this evening to share with us some of the work that the NFB does in the United States and around the world to promote Braille, a subject that's obviously very close to our hearts. As always these calls are moderated in line with our moderation policy found on the Braylist website and if you need to raise your hand during the question and answer section you can do that on Windows by holding the alt key and pressing A on Mac hold option and press A or if you're dialing in on the phone you press the star key followed by the number nine key and that will raise your hand and our host this evening Ben will acknowledge you and then we'll be able to bring you in and you can ask at uh, your questions. Uh, so we'll be coming to the Q&A sort of section in uh, about 20 minutes time uh, the other thing just to remind everybody you should be aware by now we have mentioned it every week throughout um, August this is our final uh, moderated Friday stay safe stay connected call uh, don't worry the Brailleists we're not going away we're still going to be uh, running lots of, uh, of community events uh, and we've got uh, plans for courses and all sorts of activities so stay tuned to the Braillists website at Braylists on Twitter or of course the Braylists email forum which you can find from our website braylists.org. Uh, but I mentioned that this was the last of our Friday kind of moderated calls uh, and Ben you, you surprised me earlier with some really startling numbers
3: Yes, yeah, so um, just, just as a, a brief reminder, uh, we, we started these uh, stay safe, stay connected calls on the uh, on the 20th of March can you believe that? Over five months ago it, it's flown hasn't it? And, and I think at the time, you know, we, we didn't really know what we wanted. The first call was literally just us and, and a few other people saying, well, this has just happened. We're probably about to go into lockdown. We don't know what we can do for you, but we're here if you need a chat. And obviously since then it's morphed into uh, a wide variety of, of different things. We've had quizzes, we've had panels, we've had sessions on streaming, and then also obviously huge amounts of Braille. And so, uh, Obviously, we don't just run our uh, Friday events. We've got uh, many others. But this is actually our 70th event tonight. Can you believe that again? So that's... uh I believe that is uh, 24 Stay Safe, Stay Connected calls, 20 Clever Cooking calls, 20 uh, Braille for Beginners calls, and six mindfulness sessions, so 70 events. And um, just as a quick extra tidbit, if you look at how many people attended those events, now obviously we can't give exact numbers because people don't stay for the whole thing or or people don't quite join at the start, but if you assume that each event lasts for an hour and that everyone stays for the whole thing, If you look at total consumption, how many hours altogether people have been uh, sitting uh, in in their homes, uh, connected to Zoom, uh, taking part in our events, that's uh, an incredible 1,250 hours. Um, and I, I know I was, uh, I know I was very surprised with that. But I've and that's that's you guys, so, that's yeah. you guys right All here. You.
1: So thank you so much, uh, and we appreciate um, your your levels of engagement. Uh, and we hope you'll stay with us in the coming months as we continue to uh, spread Braille. More Braille, I think, is what we, we kind of came to the conclusion. Our, our our kind of our mission is. And with that in
2: mind, hello to Everett. You're joining us from Utah. I sure am. I, I am here in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you for having me. Um, <coughs> right now, it's about 11.15 uh, uh, a.m. here in Salt Lake City, Utah, so uh, getting ready for lunch. And uh, it's, uh, it's about 90 degrees outside, so we've been dealing with a lot of uh, the smoke from the California fires over the last few days, but it's starting to clear out, and we're really happy that that's happening.
1: Well, you're sounding great, Everett. Before we, we, we kind of go on to talk about um, NFB, give us a sense of Everett Bacon. Who are you? What's your, your background? We have met, in fact, uh, at, uh, at CSUN uh, last year, myself and, and Ed Rogers. Uh, we met, uh, I think, in one of those uh, uh, hotels in Anaheim. Uh, but, but give everybody a sense of who you are, what your background is.
2: Sure. Um, so um, my background um, originally... I grew up in a California uh, and uh, moved to Texas uh, after I graduated high school and went to college in Texas uh, at, at uh, Dallas Baptist University, where I studied a music degree. Um, I was going to teach and uh, found out that I really didn't like teaching choir very much. Um, maybe, maybe it was because it was junior high and it was just the kids were really tough to deal with. Uh, it ended up uh, getting involved in um, Blockbuster Video and worked for them for a number of years. If all of you remember Blockbuster Videos, and uh, managed yeah, we had that uh, over here as well. Yeah. yeah, figured so. Managed about ten locations in both Dallas and in Houston, Texas, for a, a number of years. Um, in two thousand four, uh, though, we moved to Utah. My wife is a, a medical doctor. Uh, in in uh, she's an epileptologist. And uh, she got um, did her medical school at, uh, in Houston, and we, she got recruited to do her residency and training uh, here in at the University of Utah. And I uh, came here. I got hired on with the state of Utah at the Division of Services for the Blind. Uh, and I, I started out as a, um, a, a teacher teaching uh, technology, and now I am part of the management team and manage our technology and low vision staff uh here at the uh, center for the blind in utah and so we've lived here ever since um as i said before i'm i'm a i'm a, a national board member for the national federation of the blind i was elected uh at the 2015 convention and then re-elected again uh, at the 2017 and 2019 convention so every two years uh, my term is up and uh I have to go through a re-election process, um, and so uh, I've been uh, excited to be a, a, a national board member, and then I've been a president of our Utah affiliate uh, for the National Federation of the Blind here since 2012, and uh, we do a lot of great things locally here in Utah. I am uh, blind. Um, I I started out with partial vision, a cone rod dystrophy growing up. Um, I was a uh, it was hereditary, but I had more vision than any of the other family members on my mom's side of the family that had it. So I was kind of told growing up that I wouldn't go totally blind. So I, I never got the opportunity as a kid or young adult to learn braille, um, or, um, or learn any kind of, 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 skills in blindness. Didn't use a cane or anything like that for a number of years. Uh, and then I got to my thirties and, uh, uh, the, the world started closing in as far as, uh, vision goes. Um, I, I started to lose my vision, um, quickly. And, uh, by the time I was uh, 40, I was totally blind. Um, so I've, I've had to kind of learn, uh, Braille later in life, as a lot of folks do, uh, and learned uh, how to use a cane later in life and, uh, and have adapted those skills as well. And so, um, Uh, and and feel like I'm in a good place um, as far as uh, all of those things, but always wanting to get better, especially at Braille.
1: And for people in the UK, Everett, who are not familiar with the NFB, NFB is clearly a very large and influential organisation. Some of the language uh, around living the lives you want and breaking down barriers now is is language that is used by blindness organisations the the world over. Can you summarise for us um, the kind of resources, programmes and advocacy work that uh, NFB undertakes, particularly uh, in the area of Braille?
2: I sure can. Um, we we are, uh, as you said before, an advocacy organization, consumer advocacy. We are made up of blind people for blind people. So um, that, that that's the biggest thing, and that's why we call ourselves the National Federation of the Blind because uh, we are all blind people representing blind people, and uh, that's that's extremely important to us. To the um, to uh, show the difference between uh, organizations that are for the blind because a lot of those organizations have uh non-blind people making all of the decisions and uh in their organization we don't all all, all of our our members of the national board are blind um and uh and and most most of our leadership is is pretty much all blind so uh, what we do we do a, a number of different things from legal issues which a lot of people know us for for our legal issues um and and we get involved in legal issues whether we have to uh deal with uh, an accessibility situation for someone uh has uh, been working in a job and maybe they've lost it or an accessible uh website issue or or other legalities but we never we never want to sue first we always try to figure out a way to uh um, reach out to the company or organization or entity of any kind, and 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 get them to understand uh, what what needs to be done differently um, as accommodations go. But if we have to, we will we will go the legal route. So a lot of people know us for that because we've done that. Um, we have also been extremely involved in uh, legislative issues uh, on uh, on uh, Capitol Hill in Washington D.C. Um, so some of the bills that we've recently gotten passed, a uh, pedestrian enhancement safety act was a big bill that, uh, basically, um, helped, uh, get regulations in place for, um, quiet cars or hybrid vehicles that, that, um, we're not, we're not in, omitting any kind of sound, uh, as you're, uh, walking in, in traffic. And, uh, that was re- really important to us as pedestrians. Um, then also, um, we we have worked really hard on uh, bills related to uh, social security uh, technology and so on and so on on a national level um and then uh we also work with the states we have uh, affiliates in every state and our states work on um, local issues related to their states Uh, for instance here in utah we recently passed a. uh, uh, pa- parental rights for the blind bill, um, which is extremely important for blind uh, blind parents um, and uh, and making sure their rights are 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 not uh, violated in any kind of way as blind parents, their children are not taken away from them or anything like that. And we've also passed some technology bills but related to Braille. Um, there are so many uh, resources about Braille on our website at nfb.org, and I wanted to highlight a a few of them. Um, One of the biggest things we do to promote Braille is our Braille Enrichment Literacy and Learning Academy. We kind of call it the Bell Academy, Uh, and that that, uh, Braille Enrichment Literacy and Learning, that's a It's a program we've started in many states. I believe 36 states are participating in the program. Uh, So, what basically it's it's a week. It's it's between a week and two weeks, where um, uh, young individuals, children between the ages of four and about uh, 13, uh, will come every day from about uh, six hours a day, and will have. Uh, all kinds of of Braille in their lives, and, and Braille will be put in their lives where they're introduced to Braille. Uh, they're taught the Braille code. Um, you you might use different techniques, like uh, if they're really young and they're inst- and they're just barely learning, you might uh, use things like uh, marshmallows on a, on a piece of a. Of sticky, uh, you know, on paper, and the marshmallow is stick to the paper, and you can teach them the Braille code that way, and it's really fun. Um, and you can use all kinds of different techniques. And we, we, we teach them the 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 older kids that are that are better at Braille. They um, they are learning how to label items in Braille, uh, how to incorporate Braille in their lives, um, as as well as some other blindness skills, like we might introduce them to the cane for the first time, or. Or incorporate uh, cooking and, and cleaning in their lives, and how Braille can help them with this labeling clothes and all of those kinds of things. And so that that uh, Bell Academy is extremely important. It's a really neat program that we we work with uh, so many states on. We did that virtually this year because uh, um, all of the states were on on some type of of um, Lockdown, and we we and the National Federation of the Blind, because so many um, individuals who are blind have uh, maybe a, another kind of, of underlying condition, medical condition, or or just just maybe for safety's sake, we, we felt that doing more things virtually this past uh, year, uh, as everyone else is doing, it was important. So we did three different two week uh, virtual programs, uh, and. You can you can go to nfb.org, and um, there is a, a, a link on our main website called distance education, uh, and that link you can click on. And uh, many of those uh, sessions were recorded, and you can you can watch those sessions, and you can see how Braille was incorporated through those Zoom sessions, how interactive they were. Um, just to give you an example. The last session, um, so we did it, you know, three two-week sessions. The last two-week session, we had 150 uh, students from across the country uh, participating in that in a virtual format. Um, we sent out a box of materials to every single uh, child and family that signed up for the, the program. This box of materials had a slate and stylus, had braille paper had so, so a, a Braille book, a beginning children's book in Braille that had Braille in print so that so the parents could work with the, the children. Um, and, and all kinds of other little little uh, games and things in there, all related to Braille that was sent to them. And It was really exciting. And so that, that, that's a great program. And you can kind of check that out at our, at our website at nfb.org. We also have um, our Braille Reading Pals is a really neat program basically um, kids can sign up and they can um, they will be sent again um, some different different um, you know beginning Braille um, uh, materials Whether whether it just depends on their level and they'll be sent Braille books and and someone will check in with them on a regular basis usually on a, a quarterly basis to see where they're doing see where they're at and uh, and, and we can do more uh if they if they require more so um and we do that and we check in with the family um they get a they get a the family gets a um uh, is signed up for our future reflections periodical which goes out uh, quarterly for parents and it shows what things are going on for parents out there for their children uh, who are blind whether that be in school or or, or um or even you know just leaving um K through 12 and going into college and, and what what types of things are are needed for them um, and issues related to uh, blindness and Braille. So uh, that, that gives you kind of an overview. Now, you know, on a local level in the States. <coughs> uh, many of the affiliates because adults are, are going blind later in life and it's really important that Braille be incorporated in, in, in adults lives as well. Um, like myself, you know, who went blind later in life and, and needed to learn. Um, many of our states have um, a uh, services for the blind, um, like Utah does. Some states have more than others, depending on what the states, um, money-wise, have put into, um, into that type of service. Some states have um, some uh, not-for-profit organizations as well, so like California has numerous not-for-profit organizations. <laughs> the NFB sponsors three not-for-profit um, organizations, one in Louisiana at the Louisiana Center for the Blind, one in Colorado, the Colorado Center for the Blind, and one and in Minnesota, the Blind Incorporated. Um, and um, those, those programs all have Braille classes for adults uh, that uh, blind individuals can take part in. Uh, it, it, many of the individuals are funded through their state vocational rehabilitation programs or independent living programs, <coughs> excuse me. So there's a lot of funding available to them. Uh, they do not pay. They, um, some of our, many of our programs are residential so people can live as well at, at the, on the campus uh, and, and and participate with the students. It's been very different with the, the COVID-19. So a lot of our our programs have gone more of a virtual uh, format and our affiliates, We'll, we'll, uh, in our, we have a chapter meetings and division meetings uh, on a local level in every state and some states, you know, have more resources and are able to to pull it off than others. But um, like, for instance, here in Utah, we have um, a monthly uh, Braille night where uh, one of our members um, has a a room at the, the downtown Salt Lake City Library and blind individuals can come and participate live. Um, and and learn braille and and whatever level they're at. Um, And she's, she's a braille teacher uh, by trade, and she's uh, also blind. And so she loves doing it. And um, we've been doing that more virtually now because of the because of the COVID, but we hope to get back to doing that face to face. So uh, a lot of different things that that are out there for uh, braille, that's uh, extremely important for for you to know about, and um and um I hope that that kind of answers your question. I know it went a long time there.
1: Wow, that you know, uh, uh, ever I I am in awe. I, I am completely in awe because we have in the Braille list, you know, a, a real keen desire to spread Braille, and we think about all the different ways we might do that. Because often in the UK, people are using braille in isolation you know they they maybe get an hour of of braille a week or something uh from a a, a braille teacher and and that's that's it and they don't see other blind people using braille they're not aware of um you know role role models who, who who use braille to to great effect and you know you and i both know that actually it really enhances your your life chances as a as a blind person uh if you if you get a good grasp of of braille so yep so many things to, to, to explore there, and so many so many things to to ask you about. Um, so what we'll do in a few minutes is we'll, we'll open it up so uh, people can raise hands uh, and ask questions. So if you have a question uh, about any of uh, the programs that uh, that Everett. Uh, spoke about then you can raise your hand in windows uh, it's alt with y on mac it's option with y on the phone if you're dialing in it's the star key followed by the number nine key um, the dr jacob uh Bulletin award everett can you can you talk us through that
2: sure so uh dr Bolotin um was a uh, a medical doctor uh actually i want to say the late 1800s early 1900s when he was alive uh, he was blind and he he was in this little town i I think outside of illinois um or in the state of illinois Uh, but he he was blind and he um, wanted to be a medical doctor and he taught himself medicine uh, and he ended up uh, going to medical school he used a a lot of uh, alternative techniques to, to be a local uh, medical doctor in his, in his town. Uh, and, and the, the town came to love him and he, he used different techniques. He, he, um, and, and it was just the first of his kind ever of a blind medical doctor. And so it, he had a foundation, um, that, that, uh, was left in his name after he died. And, and there was, there was uh, funding in that and they, uh, the Blotten foundation approached, uh, the National Federation of the Blind, and we worked out this this award that we give out at our at our national convention each year. Uh, and we what we try to do is look for innovative ways where um, blind people or organizations are doing doing things to better the lives of blind individuals, especially uh, in, in kind of our our uh, way of thinking where, you know, they're they're raising expectations of, uh, blind individuals and, 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 and non-blind individuals out there, uh, raising those expectations, you know, um, getting rid of those stereotypes and misconceptions that are out there, uh, and, and, and showing blind individuals that they can, you know, live whatever life they want to live. And, uh, so one of the, you know, I, I wanted to highlight a couple of different ones, um, this past, uh, twenty twenty virtual convention that we just finished in um in july uh we had a, a it was our largest attended convention because it was virtual. We normally average over three thousand in uh, attendance at, uh, in our live conventions this one we had over eight thousand individuals who participated in our virtual convention from across the country, which was pretty exciting and um so we gave around the world I, I hasten to uh, add uh, everett sorry yeah, to interrupt yeah, yeah i was going to say around that's the world true. there was
1: certainly a few of us listening uh from the uk
2: that's awesome that's that's wonderful um and so we we um we gave away three different words. one i'd like to highlight is this one related to astronomy um there is this um laboratory slash um conservatory uh, in uh, Wisconsin that is, was working on, on really unique ways of bringing tactile graphics uh, and, uh, and creating um, an interest in astronomy for blind and, and low vision uh, children and, and even um, adults. And so they've been working on all kinds of different things related to astronomy and, and making astronomy accessible. Um, using braille, incorporating braille, incorporating tactile graphics. And um, we, we thought that was a pretty innovative thing. And, and you don't see a lot of blind individuals in the field of astronomy. And you don't think of blind individuals looking at the stars and looking at space. And so um, we, we really thought that was a pretty innovative award uh, or innovative uh, thing that was going on. And so we wanted to give them a, an award. And so we, we gave them a, a $25,000 award out of uh, the Balotin Award to help them with, uh, with uh, their program and, and help ex- extend it and, and excited to see what they can do.
1: you have some other programs as well i'm i mean i'm looking at the the website you know there are um perkins uh maintenance services there's the free slate and stylus program um mm-hmm. there's, there's there's so many things that we we just i don't yeah, suppose I we can do justice to just in the time available yeah.
2: <laughs> yes yeah and they the are...
1: transcription resources and and uh, you know, incredible amount of, uh, of of stuff going on. So uh, I'm going to bring uh, Ben in, uh, who is uh, um, hosting this evening. Good evening, Ben.
3: Hey, good evening, everybody. Uh, so we've got uh, a couple of hands up already. Uh, so we're going to go to party first. And then after that, we're going to go to Geeta. Uh, but first off, party. uh you may need to unmute yourself. And you're good to go. Hey, party Good evening, gents. I hope you're keeping well. Yeah, hi, good, good to hear you, party oh, oh, Hi,
4: hi, uh, hi, Everett. I recently joined your National Convention. And can I say I was really empowered by the great grassroots dynamic and how the different Wonderful. divisions and affiliates all interlink together on things such as accessible voting. So that's really positive to see. Uh, I was elected to the board here at NFB UK, and we've got a small campaigning organisation, but we work with the likes of IB. So hopefully I'm keen to see how we can work together in the future. But my question to you Everett is, uh, what do you see are the national and local in the Utah campaigning and policy priorities for you moving forward, especially in this time of COVID?
2: Well, um, thank you for the question and congratulations on uh, on your election. And uh, you, you brought up the one thing that we're working on now more than ever, and that is uh, uh, accessible um, ways to vote. Um, Accessibly, um, we have currently um, voting machines that are accessible. They do talk, um, has like a number keypad, and uh, uh, it's programmed in. And so I I can go to a polling location and vote accessibly. But in, in this time of, of 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 uncertainty with COVID, uh, many blind individuals don't really want to go to a polling location like they have before. Uh, and, and vote by mail in Utah has been, um, the law of the land now for, uh, um, I want to say for the past two to four elections and voting by mail has been really, really successful. Well, it's a ballot that's mailed to each individual, um, who's registered and, and they can fill out that ballot. Well, blind individuals or print disabled individuals can't do that. And so, um, this is extremely important. We want, um, an accessible electronic ballot um, that uh, I- individ- blind and print individuals um, can, can get access to and can, um, can do their ballot accessibly uh, online uh, using either a, an internet website or uh, an application on their, a mobile application on their device. And it would be secure and it would be private. Uh, and so that's what we are fighting for, and that's probably our biggest agenda item across the country um, that many states are are looking at. So that's that's where we're at right now. Thanks, Everett. Sure. Thank you. And and hey, uh, Dave, I, I'd like to uh, I, I want to plug something. We uh, we have a job opening at our uh, national uh, headquarters in Baltimore, Maryland um uh, we're right now looking for a braille specialist uh an individual that can not only um work with uh different types of braille embossers braille transcription uh and and a person that would manage all of our uh all of our uh, braille um, materials at at our headquarters so uh if you know anyone really interested in that type of work and they've got a background in running different embossers whether they be the the very large ones or, or the smaller ones, we we are looking for that individual.
1: Okay, well, if if uh, perhaps we can put that out on our our forum um, and 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 share that share that around. Uh, so I think uh, so, Pardi did you want to come back on on the question?
4: No, no, I think I think I'm happy no. with that. Actually, with, with a camp, are there any other campaigning priorities? Uh, for example, with streetscapes um, in Utah. Apart from accessible voting, Everett.
2: Uh, streetscapes. Are you, are you talking about um, making accessible, like, like street signs and things like that?
4: Accessible streets and urban environments. Yeah,
2: we we are working. We there's this uh, you know launch of of making uh, cities accessible, and um, I'm on the locally. I'm on the mayor's uh, council for accessibility for the the Salt Lake City mayor's office and. Um, I, I work with them all all the time on on different things and related to like um, Ira and making Ira more um, available for individuals and and right now like the, the mayor's office has uh, funded um, Ira to be free at the Salt Lake International Airport so whenever blind individuals are are accessing the airport they can they can access Ira free of charge uh, as well as um, uh, different different public uh entities we have a a, a square um called galvin plaza in uh salt, downtown salt lake city and it's a it's a great place where a lot of different festivals and activities take place when the world is normal and um and we we uh we lobbied with the mayor to to make um whenever blind individuals enter that area they can access IRA and they can they can move around the, the festivities there and the, the whole area uh, free of charge. And so those are things we're working on on a regular basis with uh, regards to, to making the city more accessible.
1: IRA, for anyone who isn't aware, is a remote video assistance service where you can connect using your uh, smartphone to a trained agent who can see what your camera sees and then provide you with very detailed and high quality descriptions of your environment. And they also have access to um, location information. Uh, and of course, they can look up things online and, and do any number of tasks. So IRA is now available in the UK. We were a little bit uh, behind the curve with that one. Uh, everett but uh, it's mm. it's got here uh, uh eventually um you know and people look at the price of it so those those access locations are really important uh that you you describe
2: yeah i agree uh, thanks, yeah. That's, that's something yeah i agree wholeheartedly thank you keep up the good work everett thank you sir
1: okie dokie uh we're going to come to geeta in just a second
3: uh ben Yep. And uh, after Gita, we're going to come to uh, Terry. And uh, we've actually had quite a few uh, people join during that last question. So uh, maybe we uh, we may have a, a few more hands up after Terry oh, as well. Okay, but okay. for now, we'll go to uh, Gita. And you're good to go, Gita. Hey. Yes.
5: Uh, yes. Thank you. Um, Everett, first of all, I'm, I'm delighted to say that um, delighted to hear that um, you've instituted an award Um Uh, in the name of Dr. Jacob Balotin. I recently read his biography and he was an extraordinary person. I must say, I have never been so much inspired by anybody as um, Dr. Balotin. And since we are discussing Braille here, I would like to say that he was able to read a Braille sheet um, by having 16 handkerchiefs placed over it. So his fingers were so sensitive that he would have 16 handkerchiefs on a sheet of Braille paper and he was still able to read it. He is absolutely extraordinary, and I'm, I'm delighted that you recognized him this way. Um, now, coming to my question, um, I used to work for American Express a few years ago, and um, when I was employed with them, they moved to a new building. The lift, or the, the elevator, as you say, um, didn't, however, have Braille signs. So the, the flaws were not indicated by Braille labels. And when I spoke to them about it, they said, well, we consulted with um, a leading organization for the blind here. And they said, Braille is not so relevant these days. So it's it's not necessary for you to use Braille labels in Lyft. Uh, all you need to do is put up um, raised letters. So they they had these print letters, raised print letters against each. Button. Now, how do you ensure in, in America that um, public buildings or, or or even private buildings are consistently um, uh, consistently follow the Braille labeling rules? Do you do you have any? Does the Americans for Disability Act um, mandate that? Thank you.
2: Yes. Th- thank, thank you, Geeta. That's a great question. Um, and. Uh, yes, it is through the Americans with Disabilities Act. It was passed in uh, 1990, so it uh, just had its 30th anniversary. Uh, and part of that uh, ADA Act is that any building that was made uh, after 1990 um, is required to uh, have uh, accessible signage. Uh, and, that, and and the accessible signage must be Braille. So uh, any of your uh, elevators or lifts, As you call them um would would have to have uh braille labels on uh, the the uh, buttons or next to the buttons Um, many of the signs that you would you would locate whether it be a restroom sign or or a a room number sign uh, in a hotel uh, those would be uh, also have uh, braille labels on them and that that is a requirement um any building that was made before 1990 they they are required if they go under any if they go and undertake any kind of renovation part of their renovation they're required to meet those uh ada guidelines so we have an an access a united states access board that that kind of oversees the um the americans with disabilities act um and and how it's uh how it's um legislated throughout the country and uh, that access board um, is made up of, of appointees um, uh, that come from the, the different senators across the state. Uh, not every state has an appointee, but but they are uh, usually get appointed that way. And uh, and then that's how that is enforced and, and looked at and regulated. Um, and so those those buildings that were before 1990, if they go under any kind of renovation, then they will they will uh, have those. Um, those ADA guidelines put in place uh, and have their uh, elevators and lifts and other uh, signage uh, labeled with Braille.
5: All right. Thank you. Thanks, so Peter. How, uh, how, how would you suggest um, that we, I mean, it's one thing to encourage um, individuals to use Braille, but it's quite another thing to um, ad, advocate Braille or the the utility of Braille among organizations for the blind. Um, so how um how do you think um we should go about um educating these organizations that braille is not yet dead and you know braille is still um very relevant even in these times
2: uh you know it, it is definitely um by advocacy uh that is the the best way we educate um the public uh and these different organizations that exist out there that, that Braille is an extremely relevant communication tool. Um, you know, I have my iPhone. My iPhone battery dies on a regular basis. Um, I might be on a bus or I might be uh, moving about. Uh, and, and I, you know, while my iPhone talks when and, and let's say the battery dies or whatever, I, I still always have a slate and stylus with me with a, with a, you know, a three by five card that I can pull out and I can quickly um, jot down uh, a message or, or, uh, jot down a note or a number or anything in Braille. And, and I, and I have access to that. Um, you know, I, I kind of talk to sighted individuals or non-blind individuals. And, and I say, what if I took your pen away or your pencil, <laughs> which, you know, pens are still extremely, uh, prevalent, uh, across, uh, all, all forms of, uh, sighted individuals they they still carry a pen in their pocket they're still writing down notes Um, even though they use a a, a cell phone that that uh, that that keeps track of a lot of things they still jot down a note with their pen and and that's what braille is to us what print is to them braille is to us and that's that's the message you have to continue to push out to these organizations Uh, and and you know even though there are electronic braille displays and other types of, of form of, of technologies that are wonderful. Um, technology is a tool. Uh, and so is my slate and stylist. So is my Perkins braille writer. Um, those will always be tools and, and, uh, those tools don't go away. Um, just because some other technology was created. Um, you still go back to the the reliable tool that you need. Uh, and so that's, that's what I would suggest um, you continue to do with organisations and entities uh, where you are.
5: Thank you, absolutely. Terry. We're going to come Thank to you, you in a
1: in a second. Great question, yeah. Geeta. You'll be horrified yeah. to hear Everett that the the, the slate and stylus isn't isn't taught in the UK um, at the oh, moment, wow. uh, and this is something that we're seeking to to promote and you know we were inspired by you know your program and and uh have tried to make uh more slates uh available in in the uk uh so terry going to come to you in a second just going to check in with ben how we're doing on the the hands
3: no no other hands at the moment after terry okay uh, right. let's go to you terry join um so i don't know if we okay. don't know if we want to go for a, a quick synopsis of what we're talking about y-
1: yeah, so thanks very much if you've if you've joined late. Um, you're with uh, myself, Dave Williams, and we're in conversation with Everett Bacon from the National Federation of the Blind, sharing uh, NFB's work to expand and promote and advocate uh, for Braille usage uh, in the US and around the world. And uh, we're we're learning some some fascinating uh, stuff this evening. So if you have um, a question about um, NFB's many uh, Braille related programs, you can. Re- raise your hand on windows you hold the alt key and press y on mac hold the option key and press y or if you're dialing in on the telephone hit the star key followed by the number nine or if you're on an i device uh, you can press the more button and you'll find the raise hand button there and ben will acknowledge you and then we'll take your question okay terry Well,
3: i, th- I think that's done the trick dave because we had four hands raised uh, while yep. you were doing okay, that okay. so i'm going to come to terry now and then after that we're going to come to jane sellers Okay. And Terry, you uh, should be on now. Hey, Terry.
6: Hello everyone. Um I getting back to the voting uh, topic. Uh I'm wondering uh is uh voting by telephone still on the table for and I'm thinking in particular of many folks who don't have a computer or who are not savvy enough to go online and and vote?
2: Well, that's a great question. Uh, we've never had voting by telephone uh, in in that I can remember uh, here in the United States. Um, so that that is something that that has not been been incorporated in the United States. So I I I don't know if that will ever ever come to. Uh, to any kind of fruition. Um, I think it's important that uh, that definitely uh, we continue to work with individuals who who don't have access to a computer or a smartphone device. uh, And we reach out to those individuals and and assist them uh, by getting them to a polling location so they can use the accessible voting machines. That that are um, that every state is required to have through our Help America Vote Act that was passed uh, back in I believe 2002, um, and but uh, <clears throat> you're right that is a that is definitely a challenge that that we have uh, here in the United States because we don't have a way um, landlines have gone so so much by the wayside here in the United States, and so m- many uh, individuals don't have a an actual landline anymore and and have only a, a a mobile line
6: i i'm almost sure though that i have i've read not recently and maybe that's the issue um that there have been some counties in the u.s that have in the past used telephone voting i i'm i can't cite some things unfortunately but i'm almost sure i've i've encountered that in the the past. But now, as you say, because landlines are less prevalent, although I still have mine. And in fact, I still have an analog landline for various reasons. And I've been told by one phone company here that landlines are probably going to start coming back again, because of, you know, some issues with um the internet and things like that so you they they probably are not going to be going away (laughs) so it's an interesting thing though but so thank you very much
2: thank you terry
1: cheers terry so we're going to go to jane and then after jane should we go to richard
7: Thank you, and thank you very much for a wonderful, interesting talk. Um, I'm wondering um, about Grade 3 Braille, and no one's mentioned it ever before, but it was something that was um, introduced in Canada many years ago. And I wondered whether NFB in America um, have any way of, of learning how one would in the UK learn it. And also regarding your voting system, in the uk we have a braille um a template guide which guides you it doesn't tell you who the actual candidates are but it actually tells you if you lift up the um the box you can put a cross in it either one two three or four i wonder whether that the whether you've explored that avenue as well
2: so that's a great question, Jane. Um I'll hmm. start with the the first one. Um I actually I, I lost my train of thought. Um I'll start grade with the se- <laughs> grade three braille. Yeah. Grade three braille. So uh, grade three braille is not taught um in the United States um you know, by any any um by any of the organizations or anything like that. Um, uh, most of the organizations followed the unified English braille code, Uh, um, UEB. And that's what we, that's what we, we use now. Um, Uh and, um, and we're still using Nemeth code for many of our mathematics and science Uh, areas. Um, but grade grade three is kind of something that, that is more, um, some individuals pick up and learn from other blind individuals. Um, we used to have a braille teacher here at the, uh, Divisions of Services for the Blind of Utah who actually knew Grade 3 Braille. Mm. Uh, and he he would teach uh uh blind individuals who were interested uh in learning that. So I think it's more of just on a on a local level what peop- mm. that people pick up Grade 3 and use that. But uh no, we follow the Unified English Braille code. So Thank you. That's that question. Now, as far as um the the te- the Braille template Braille that's a template. very interesting- yeah, that's a very yeah. interesting thought process.
7: It it, the, sticks, it sticks onto the actual page of your voting slip, mm-hmm. and then you sort of lift up. It's like a little corner that you lift up, but by the side of it, it'll have one, two, three, or four, and usually a sighted person, i.e. the residing um, officer, would read to you who the candidates are, so you would know who they were in that particular area. That
2: sounds really interesting um mm-hmm. i think the the hard part for us uh that to look at something like that uh is you have so many elections in the uh-huh. you know, like a, a city has a city elections municipal elections county elections mm-hmm. uh then 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 the state government elections you have uh mm-hmm. people that are elected to the um State Board of Educations um, as, as well. <laughs> and so I think there are so many elections uh, in, in, in all across uh, the United States that um, the templates would be numerous. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you'd have to create so many different templates. And then I, I doubt that the um, there's, no, there's not enough money to mm. teach and educate the polling workers to know which templates for which they'd yeah. never remember. And so it would be it would be a frustrating endeavor. I'd love to see Braille, mm. a Braille ballot be uh, out there um, because I would, yeah. I would love to utilize that. But I think that's kind of the problem where we're at with, with, mm. with that type of way. So I hope that Thank answers you. your question. It does sure. answer
7: the question. Thank you. Okay. Thank you
1: so much, Jane. Really appreciate that. Let's go to Richard and then to Ed. Richard West.
3: And uh, Richard, you. Are... Hi everybody. Hello, Richard. Hi, Richard. Can you hear me? Oh, jolly good. I would just like to ask a question relating to um, the, the the difference between the uh, the the national um, way of doing things and the way it, it may be done in different states, particularly with regard to um, accessibility and and guidance and things of that kind. Is there any? Um, significant difference between the way different states do it or is it all controlled by by the you know the the national uh, legislation etc
2: that's a great question so every state does have their own way of doing things um we many states though do receive federal funding um, so, and, and those fe- that federal funding does require them to meet certain guidelines that are that are out there from our federal government. But every state takes that takes that funding uh, and also matches it at a state level um, to a certain extent. And, and, and every state um, manages the, uh, the way the the way uh, any kind of blindness. Training or blindness resources are. Um, So I'll give you an example. Um, The Utah has a a Utah Division of Services for the Blind and Visually Impaired. We have uh, uh, programs that uh, help individuals find vocational rehabilitation. Uh, We have programs for individuals who are needing low vision uh, devices uh, and we can help them with that. Uh, we have uh, our training and adjustments program that uh, where blind individuals can come and uh, learn alternative skills of blindness. So we have a braille class that um, all, in, all individuals are required to take as well as uh, orientation and mobility training. Um, we have uh, home management training um, and we have uh, assistive technology training, both beginning and advanced levels. And then we offer a couple of electives. We have a, a woodworking shop. It's a full industrial woodworking shop with uh, you know, your table saws and miter saws and other pla- planers and other devices. Um, they're not modified in any way. Uh, they do have some safety guidelines that are used. Uh, a blind teacher teaches in that wood shop class. And then we also have a, a needle arts class that, that teaches more. Uh, sewing uh, crocheting and, and uh anything related to arts and crafts so uh, those are the kinds of classes that that the the state of Utah funds blind individuals can take those classes free of charge um, they can come every day take participate in the classes uh, and there is no cost to them it's all funded by the state uh and, and this the state uh, like I said before receives some funding from the federal government some states have um Done a better job of managing this than others because they have the the resources to do it. Um, if you go to a smaller state like Wyoming, um, they don't have the resources to have a, a, a an actual training program. So they will send individuals to different other states to to get that training. Um, they might have Wyoming might have some some uh, trainers that live in Wyoming that will go to people's homes and work with individuals. On a, more, on a more personal level in their home. But if, if someone needs some more um, uh, structured training that's one-on-one in, in a classroom setting um, and, and that, that's more um, structured and classroom type then, then, uh, and, and every day, then they'll sent, be sent to a different state. And then there's lots of uh, these same types of programs across the country that are um, not-for-profit, that are not run by the state at all. Uh, and they get they get their funding from all kinds of ways. Uh, whether the whether states decide to send people to them, uh, the state will pay for the individual to come, uh, and that's how they'll that's how these not for profit organizations will receive funding. There's lots of uh, businesses that will donate, organiz- and foundations and organizations that will donate. And like I said before, that's how the the National Federation of the Blind. We have three of those um not-for-profit training programs uh in in our country in louisiana colorado and minnesota
1: i'm aware of the time folks thank you richard Uh, brilliant good to hear you Um, everett do you need to um head off promptly at seven or have you uh will be 12 for you but uh, or, or do you have a couple of minutes
2: I can go a few minutes over. Um, okay, I'm, I'm we'll try not to keep gonna you gonna too long. <laughs> sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and we're all ready for dinner here in the UK. So uh, <laughs> let's go to Ed Rogers and then uh, Khaled.
3: Yeah. So uh, Khalid uh, just lowered his hand, but obviously, uh, Khaled, oh, okay. If you're interested in, uh, if you're interested in coming in, please do you raise your hand. Let's we'll go to take. Ed Rogers. Uh, but yeah. Ed Rogers, take it away. Thank you. I
8: actually dipped out a little bit in the middle. Um, so I apologize uh, for that. Uh, it's very inspiring, Everett, the, the the stuff you talked about around um, uh, remote learning. And I wanted to uh, do a quick plug, uh, followed by a question. So a plug for everyone else on the call, and we've got 20 people now, I think, at 19, um, is that we're going to be doing some very similar stuff. Like Dave have mentioned <clears throat> in the near future, and what I'm particularly excited by is is um, the some of the stuff the nFB uh did was sending out equipment and to to everyone to people who attended and we're going to be doing the same not just for for young students but for adults you'll you can you can get sort of a batches of, equ- of braille equipment sent to you if you just come along to these calls, so keep an eye out um on, on those lines. Everett, the NFB and tactile graphics—is um, it something which is taught? And, and what's the sort of the best equipment people tend to use and find the most uh, the stuff that really gets people interested in tactile graphics? What's the sort of equipment or the courses?
2: Boy, Ed, um, that's an area we need more uh, funding uh, here in the United States, and we we definitely I think everyone need more. does, yeah. Yes, uh, tactile graphics is the area that we. We definitely need more advancement in, more funding in, more awareness in. Um, I I have uh, I, I know that the uh, Lighthouse for the Blind in San Francisco offers a a, a program where you you can um, you can request a map of your city or your neighborhood. You can you can actually get a map of your neighborhood. It's, it's a is a tactile graphic map or and or you can get a map of your entire city so that's a little bit bigger tactile graphic it's and it's 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 has a a little less definition to it than maybe your neighborhood would because that's a more zoom in area Uh, and and you can request those um i think they're they cost anywhere from 10 to 15 dollars, and they will mail those to you uh and you can feel those tactile graphic maps i think that's an outstanding program i think a lot of uh they're they're
8: brilliant they got a lot award as well didn't they
2: they sure did. They sure did. And they, they also got an endowment from, um, that came out of uh, the, the state of Washington. Uh, it was a, a very wealthy um, foundation that uh, uh, gave them a, a $25 million endowment. And they were able to do a lot of things with that. And that's how how they started that program and doing other things. Um, and then lots of the, the schools for the blind uh, across the country, and just about every state has a school for the blind. Um, they have incorporated tactile graphic embossers, different different kinds. There's so many different kinds out there now, uh, as well as 3D printers, uh, and are, are creating tactile materials uh, that way using using all of those types of devices.
8: Um, we I guess have a, a question bo- around that is is the mm-hmm. the balance of because um, the, the emphasis is often on giving people the material as opposed to allowing people to, to do their own sketches and drawings. Cause you were saying how important it is that you have just a slate in your pocket. So the Braille is something yes. you can create as and when it feels yeah. like the, the tactile graphics is even further away in the creation department than it is in the, in the, in the providing people with that tactile graphics, isn't it?
2: It, it is. There is a, a low cost, um, called the easy Braille. Um, it's a company based out of um, Vermont, um, and they have a, a device that's uh, it, it's, it's very um, low-tech, um, but it, it allows you to use kind of what looks like a, I, I want to say it looks like a braille eraser, um, but it, 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 it's shaped like that. And when you, when you draw across the device, um, you, you, you use that device and you draw across it, it, it creates a raised line. And um, and and that I think it costs about a hundred and thirty dollars uh, in the United States, and uh, so a lot of uh, schools and, and programs. Um, the NFB we put we put some funding into the program and and, and invested in it as well uh, into the company, and um, and we've given out a lot of the devices through through the National Federation of the Blind, um, and and you can get this device and you can create raised lines, and then you can you can. You know, um, erase the line as well, and and and
8: create again. Uh, just like look that old, up for, um... for those who are interested. I mm-hmm. uh, want to search it. It's easytactilegraphics.com.
2: There you go. It, it kind of reminds me of the old etch a sketch. Um, if mm. uh, if sighted people remember that, um, but uh, but obviously that was all for for, for uh, non blind individuals. But this is uh, an etch a sketch, but for blind individuals because you can create the raised lines and get that tactile graphic feedback on a, on a more low tech
8: level. Well, thanks very much.
1: Sure. Okay. We are after the hour and, uh, Khaled, uh, appears to have left. So I think uh, no we will homes. draw th- I think We'll draw things to a close. Well, Everett, thank you so much. Lots and lots for us to, uh, to think about. Um, and, um, they say uh, invitation is a sincerest form of, of flattery, and and you know we hope. Uh, to try and emulate some of your uh, programs or some of NFB's programs to, to really get Braille out there into as uh, many hands as, as possible. You know, I know as a, as a blind dad, you know, I can't imagine any other way that I would have read the, uh, the bedtime story with my son when he was uh, growing up if I couldn't uh, use Braille. So it's such an important um, medium uh, and we need to continue to, uh, to, to spread it. Uh, thank you so much and enjoy your lunch
2: well thank you Dave and thank you Ed um both of you are great friends and I look forward to seeing you both again and, and uh in our relationship and growing and I, I love the great work that you're doing there in the UK and uh it has it, been an honor to work with both
8: of you thank you Alfred. thank you so much thank you very much we for appreciate coming
1: that yeah we do right, appreciate your you. time um it's very generous thank you Take care. All the okay. best and have a great Bye-bye. weekend. And uh, for okay. everybody in the UK, um, of course, it is a bank holiday weekend, uh, yep. which uh, means uh, hopefully the weather's going to be good, but it probably won't be. No, it's um, not going to be any so, good at all. No- so, uh, take care, everybody. That's it for our formal, um, moderated Friday uh, sessions. Um, we will be putting on more sessions next week. You're going to be hearing a lot more from us on oh, uh, social media platforms and on the forum. So, stay tuned to our newsletter, braylist.org is where you can uh, sign up for the newsletter. And you can also join the, uh, the Braillelist forum. Our Braille for Beginners group is well, back okay. on Monday monday from 6 p.m and on wednesday uh i think cooking now is cooking. going to be with luck so we will let you know we'll signpost uh to where you can find uh cooking uh so look out next week i think tuesday is when we will be uh, getting information out to folks so take care have a great weekend thank you so much for all your participation and fantastic questions Reverend. and uh, we'll speak soon bye for now